Good morning, everyone, to our Bearing Point talk. Thanks for being with us today. My name is Rita Tomasini. I'm a senior manager with Bearing Point, and I'm your host this morning. My guests today are Niels Olsen from Tacton Systems and Rüdiger Specht from Bearing Point, Germany. A very well welcome to both of you. Yes. Niels has 20 years of experience in IT companies and the industrial sector, focusing on sales portfolio management and product development. He was recruited by Tetra Pak in 2000 to raise the level of portfolio management, working from Sweden and Italy, Modena. During this time, he successfully implemented configurator solutions and directed the implementation of two fully-fledged CPQ, configure price quote solutions in both Tetra Pak and its sister company, Sidel, headquartered in France. Currently, Niels is the chief portfolio officer with Swedish-based Tacton Systems, a leading CPQ product configuration solution provider. Rüdiger Specht is a senior manager in our manufacturing segment of Bearing Point. He has been managing global projects and programs for business strategy, business transformation, and IT integration for more than 15 years. Rüdiger has dealt comprehensively with the challenges of digital transformation and customer management. The focus of his client projects is the strategic and organizational alignment in the area of opportunity and quote management, and the utilization of smart CPQ and CRM technologies. Digital product models, the core of future value chains is the title of our talk today. In the digital age of Industry 4.0, customer centricity and precise capturing of customer needs and the ability to efficiently manufacture products fulfilling these needs determine success or failure. Product configuration tools in support of sales and manufacturing have been used for many years. They have been crucial to drive both sales and production. Today, it is possible to create digital representations of the complete product portfolio and product variances. Customer input is automatically linked with recommended solutions, dynamically priced articles, engineering drawing changes, manufacturing, revolutionizing not only design and production, but also quoting sales and after-sales processes. Manufacturing companies have come a long way just to begin to understand that there is still a long way which lays ahead of them. Today we will discuss how the increasing digitalization of product models can further link customers, engineering product factory and services. We will also elaborate on why a company-wide strategy for product data for the entire life cycle of products is more and more a fundamental prerequisite for a company's competitiveness, efficiency and ultimately success. Niels, digital product models. This may sound rather technical to some of our guests. Uh, nevertheless, the headline of today's talk puts digital product models at the core of future value chains, giving the whole thing, let's say, a very strategic spin. Could you please explain to start us off what digital product models stand for and why these play such an important role in the age of Industry 4.0? Uh, absolutely right, Alex. So, uh, looking at Industry 4.0, I mean, the concept around Industry 4.0 is really about increasing customer fit. It's about using the capabilities of, of the modern manufacturing space to create individualized products, products that are specifically suited for one customer and their needs. 
Now, one of the big challenges that that comes with is the connection of those customer needs into your actual products and being able to deliver on the promise that you're giving to the customer. So digital product models, they actually cater for not just the technical view, but also the commercial view, the customer needs view, what pricing you will be putting on these products, how you will make sure that you offer them in the right way to your customer, and that you afterwards can deliver on that promise. Rüdiger, how would you underline the business criticality of today's topic? What can you do that? Um, I would like to go through a study we do last year about a configuration study where we look through the criticality of configuration and all this stuff. What we find out within that study is that the digital uh, potential of the configuration is largely untapped. This means, for example, all these 3D things are going not right, the product recommending uh, things are not implemented in the right way. And even that, all of that is not implemented in the right way. 80% of the customers think that the quality of the digital product is very important for them and the increasingly success factor for their future business. And we find out as well that we have two groups uh, are in this area of configuration. On one hand, we have these variant professionals. These guys have very strong configuration in place and they are rather oriented on the things, what is technical possible in configuration and do not guide the customers in the direction how to sell and in which direction. On the other hand, we have sales professionals who are really strongly doing their configuration in the way that they would like to guide their customers in the way and that they even can use these uh, configuration to steer the, the needs of the customer in the right direction and then reduce the portfolio of what they have to offer to the customers. Niels, I'd like to follow up on the digital product models. Not everyone here is from the manufacturing segment and industry. What does a digital product model in manufacturing actually consist of? What different layers do exist or dimensions in, in such models? Well, since a digital product model really needs to represent all of the views within your organization of the product, let's keep in mind that you know, a single product is one and the same thing. It's not different things you know, in, in going through your organization. However, if you're sitting in sales, uh, you have one need of being able to view your product. If you're sitting in engineering, for instance, you need to cover the bill of material structure from an engineering point of view. If you're in production or manufacturing, of course, you do need to have the pick lists and routings and stuff like that. And later on in aftermarket, it's the servicing of the product. So all of these different aspects, they actually combine to make the full product model. It's about having that one single source of truth that covers the different views that you have of your products throughout the organization. And the reason that is absolutely crucial is it's everything from technical limitations to commercial structures or even legal considerations that you have to make in, in the market. The reason that's absolutely crucial is unless you have an automatic way of translating from customer needs to your priced articles to the manufacturing bill of material that you will end up producing in the, in the production side. You're going to end up very easily in a situation where you order one thing, you uh, deliver something else. So what we do at Tacton is, is really to make sure that we take all of those different, as you said, layers of product information into account, in essence, connecting the customer, the product, and the factory. 
making it possible to run these processes with high speed, but at the same time, high quality. So managing the paradox in essence, increasing speed whilst increasing quality. Rüdiger, to deliver what was offered or promised, there is some equation as offered, as ordered, as delivered, as installed, as operated, going through the whole value chain or supply chain of a modern manufacturing company. Involved in these steps or phases of a value chain are many different business functions, starting with marketing, sales, product management, R&D, manufacturing, operations, IT. Last but not least, how do they typically contribute to product models and why is it so difficult to build a shared underlying product data repository? The uh, challenge in that in the companies most time is that they are on the top level, there are three major stakeholders. On the one hand, we have the product development with the handling all these engineering bombs. On the other hand, we have the production handling all the manufacturing bombs information. And on the third time, we have all the sales level where they have to handle the S-bomb. Looking through that in enterprise organization, all these three need a common approach to handle the configuration. This means it's not the view of one of them, it's a, a common view on that. And so that what they have to do, they have to develop a common enterprise configuration approach to run this successful in the way we talk today about that. How do you align these different views? Within the organization. Within the organization. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it's building on what, what Rüdiger was just saying. So one big challenge I think everyone recognizes in the organization is exactly what we say. That there's sort of these three big areas. There's uh, differing views on the products in the three areas. And of course, you know, the solution is not to enforce one of these views on all the others. That's simply not going to work. If you base your product view on what's needed in manufacturing or engineering, you're going to sit with a very confused sales staff, probably confused customers as well. So I think the key to achieving success here is really in establishing, one, a product ownership, making sure that you do have, as many companies do already today, you have specification managers and so forth. But moving that to the next level, it's not about specifying a view. It's about making sure that you take the considerations of that view into your product model. And it will come with a few key disciplines. What I've seen working best is when you have product owners who have the technical understanding, who have the grounding in the technical limitations, let's say, of, of your products, but where you bring in commercial, you bring in the product view from a sales marketing point of view, very often product management fills a very, very good role in that. So making sure that you bring in the right people, that you put the ownership with your product models in, within these product owners in your organization. I think there's one really, really crucial thing, though, which is to acknowledge that the existing tools that sit within the company, they've actually been put in place to support these discrete processes. So if we're talking about sales, we all know that CRM is, is supporting sales in a really good way. It's opportunity management, account planning, and so forth. And of course, that's taking the view of products into account from that angle. Similarly, in the supply chain side of the organization, ERP supporting it, MERP for, for manufacturing, and so forth taking that view really well into account. And then, of course, you do have PLM and CAD on the engineering side. I think one of the biggest issues is when you try and use one of these systems to actually be the repository or the owner of this data. What I've seen in my experience is, is that none of these tools are ideal to cover the holistic view of your organization. They are catering to the home audience and the need of the home audience. 
And that's exactly why we're seeing such a tremendous success with the product variance management tools from Tactile, actually, I think. So let's talk a bit about technology and solutions and yep. dig a little bit deeper there. What solutions does Tacton offer to help companies to better manage digital products and, and the processes uh, involved? Well, the so products we have in our portfolio are aimed exactly at what we're talking about. So, of course, we do have something which we call Tacton CPQ, configure price quite you mentioned it before. CPQ in its most basic form is really viewed as a sales tool. It's, and of course it is. It's configure price quote. You want to get your, your quotes out there and, and make sure that your customers know what you can offer and, and at what price you're asking for them. However, when you're sitting in manufacturing, automotive construction, you know, quotes are not created by one person in sales alone. There's heavy connections into engineering. There's heavy connections down into, into supply chain. Those aspects need to be taken into account. So as a result, the TACT and CPQ is, is not just a, a sales tool. It's actually a platform for uh, interaction, collaboration between the different areas, but including product support as well. Just to take an example, when you're doing a configuration of a quote in TACT and CPQ, it goes down into CAD. We have the possibility of manipulating CAD drawings on the fly. It goes down into the ERP. You can check the availability yeah. to promise the warehousing status of different parts whilst you're working on this. And I think that's the key difference. Now, having that said, one huge change and game changer really that's occurring right now, and it's kind of sweeping across Europe as we speak, is the move from on-premise home-made solutions, where you would basically buy some key components and then build an application yourself. That comes with a tremendous amount of cost, especially over time. Uh, the TCR for homegrown applications is not to be trifled with. So one key thing with the TACN offering now is that we've moved it completely into the cloud. So it's, it's available at a, at a much lower entry bar in essence. So that's in a nutshell what, what we do at TACN. Really, we look over, over the market and <clears throat> different providers comparing TACN a little bit with what's around elsewhere. What, how do they stand apart from, from other tech providers or solution providers? I think the most important thing is Tacton is selling a product, not a project. What we see with the other with the other vendors in that area, they are selling projects to solve the issues, the problems from their customers. This is a big difference. And of course, it's the point that you will be independent then from your provider as you can have the knowledge about the implementation by yourself and you do not need the support for a long period from the vendor at that time or even from the consultants. On the other hand, of course, the totality of the solution, the consistency of the solution of Tacton, which means the constraints-based configuration, the holistic technical validation approach, and of course, what I think also is important is the visibility in the same time of the configuration information, the visualization, even the bomb is seen directly when you're using your tool and things is also very important. I like to touch on or see a little bit in, into the future in terms of digital potentials. What do you do? Both of you is um, manage very complex products with the right organizations or help your customers manage products with the right organization, the right processes, the right technology. Products which can be immensely complex with uh, millions and millions of, of parts with a lot of specialty areas and dimensions with a lot of calculations, engineering calculations, etc., etc. So 
When I like to touch on the future a little bit, this, let's say, human system interface is maybe a very important topic where we could improve and make such models more tangible and accessible to the right people and the wider base of, of people. So what potentials do you see? What's going on technology-wise in the area of digital product modeling and digital value chains? One thing that you're touching on, I think, which is really, really important is when looking at, as we say, a digital representation of your product, it's complex. Typically, it's, as you mentioned, tons of items and, and parts and how you can combine them could be daunting. And of course, that's why we have these tools to support us in taking care of that difficult combinatorical problem. But in using that, so for instance, at Acton, we, we, we offer the capability of, of what we call visual configuration with AR supports or augmented reality. What it in essence means is you can not just configure something with, you know, drag and drop, or sorry, with radio buttons and, and drop down menus, but also drag and drop it in real time in 3D. Now, that just lifts the entire understanding of what product you're configuring and how you're putting it together to such a much higher level. You can, for instance, if let's say you're configuring a dashboard in a bus, you can drag and drop the different buttons around on that dashboard, positioning them where you'd like them to be. At the same time that it's connected to the holistic configuration of the bus, if you're putting in a button for opening the rear door, well, then it's going to say, well, yes, okay, so we're putting in a rear door now, because otherwise you wouldn't need it. So what that does is, of course, it, it simplifies the interaction with your product tremendously. We're visual creatures. We like to be able to see things. But what I think is even more important is it's not just about putting together a great product. It's not just about making sure that when you're you know, making a value proposition to your customer, it has a great business case. But there's also a human aspect of this. If you can show what, what you're offering, if you can you know, make sure that your customer is seeing not just a generic product, but actually what they will be getting. That is a driver from desirability point of view. And it's, we're all human beings at the end of the day. We do care about, you know, having a feeling of this is something that I understand that I want. And of course, the value proposition, the business case is still there, but it's a lot easier to justify good feeling with a good business case than trying to build good feeling with a good business case. I would like to add the point of the end-to-end -end process for configuration, which means starting configuration the pre already in the pre-sales, where the customer do the first pre-selection of the products, the future product, the future configuration. And you can steer the customer at that stage already in the direction of your product and your sales, and this will help you quite a lot. Going over to the proposal, to the ordering, to the production, or even to the service at every stage, you really have a big advantage to handle the full configuration and availability of the full configuration in your business processes so that you really have an advantage on customer side and on your side about what is the process and the content of the product and so on. And this is on one hand. And on the other hand, the uh, talking again about augmented reality is to use the, or to test the design of the product at the workplace this means you are trying to see how the things, the equipment, the machines are coming together in the room where you're using it. And this is also a big advantage for the customer to see in the end how this will work in the end when the machine is in your flat, on your office or wherever. Rüdiger, to transform the organization, to adopt new technology and to overcome, well, a considerable legacy as well, 
not only in multinational companies with a diverse range of complex product families, but also in, in smaller manufacturing companies. That seems to be a huge challenge. And initially, I, I stated that uh, we've come a long way. Tacton has been around for 20 years. Uh, other firms have two providing solutions, developing in, in maturity uh, more and more, utilizing uh, new technology. But still, there's a huge challenge. What strategies do exist? Where should companies start from now and what are the next steps? I will have, like to have a look backwards in the very, very past, thinking about the starting of harmonization of business processes and ERP systems. At that stage, we have a lot of functionality. Everyone has a different view on this functionality in the system. Everyone has his own view about how the process in the organization would be. And over the last 10, 20 years, we have a big change in that. So the integration of business processes and harmonization. From my point of view, we have to do similar things with the configuration information as well in the organization, as they have to get a common approach for the product structure, for the implementation of the product configuration, so that we have a continuous integrated approach in the whole organization. And this is what I think the changes in the business will come to the next years. Nils, Tacton is more and more a pure technology company, providing solutions, software, rather than services. But you still offer professional services. What concepts and experience do you bring to the table or will help companies to unleash the power of excellence in product configuration? Well, as you say, I mean, at Tacton, we, we strongly believe that using tools to achieve what we're talking about, to manage these digital product models, you need to, within your own organization, be, be <clears throat> capable and able to manage it on your own. You shouldn't be depending on some external party to do that over the lifetime. Otherwise, it becomes you know, really, really uh, both expensive and probably dangerous. With that being said, so we're offering tools that are ready to go. As I said before, you know, software as a service, you can pretty much start subscribing and it's at your disposal. Now, implementing this, making sure that you don't run into you know, dead ends or you know, that you, in essence, build on best practice. We do maintain a good amount of knowledge within the organization of TACT and expert services where we support our customers in, in reaching that level. However, we do see ourselves very much as that. We have a long history in, in terms of working with this. We will, of course, be there for supporting this journey. But at the same time, we believe that there are many companies around the world, that, for instance, very important, that can do these type of transformation journeys with our customers. So at the end of the day, it's empowering the company to deal with this product variance and with these product models as much as possible, completely autonomously. What is your outlook for the next, let's say, three to five years? We know that this topic will, will keep our clients busy for, for much longer than that. But what, uh, what is the outlook for, let's say, the next three to five years? When we will see end-to-end -end digital twins, have you seen them in manufacturing? And if not, what's coming next? Supporting key trends uh, such as individualization, decentralization of value chains, etc. Yeah, I think the points that you're pointing out here, I mean, individualization, of course, being able to make sure that your product has the best fit towards the customer needs. Decentralization of value chains, you're getting your partners and even sometimes customers selling or buying for you. Together with, you know, the big move that I think everyone is seeing uh, towards servitization of products. I mean, instead of selling capital goods, we're starting to see a lot of companies providing capital equipment as a service. It's, you're buying the outcome over time. It's almost like a subscription service. 
And then, of course, IoT is all over the place, Internet of Things. I'm probably wearing, I don't know how many Internet devices right now myself. So all of that information that is available, and it's bringing a, a possibility of driving an organization in a completely new way. I mean, both having that data, having the possibility of driving those business models, I think underlying comes with one need, which is, at the end of the day, we're sitting here in Zurich, and I believe everyone here will agree that salaries and labor is not as cheap in Switzerland as it is, for instance, in China. So if we want to have the possibility of competing with low-cost countries, we've got two options. Either we go really cheap, which is basically move the stuff over there, or we deliver better customer value, which justifies us having a higher price tag. And I, for one, believe that the right way of, of attacking this is making sure that you beat low-cost competition without lowering the price. So it is customer fit. It's making sure that your latest innovation is out there, that you put as little barrier between your product development and your sales staff as you humanly can, making sure that your salespeople can use the entire width of your portfolio, that you can configure a complete technical solution by just answering customer needs questions, and that you can then bring that into your factory and later on deliver it, implement it with your customer with zero manual handovers. So if we're looking at the next step in terms of the industry, I think that's exactly it. And making sure that you're offering higher variance at higher efficiency that justifies that higher price. And I agree with you. I think we are just in the beginning of this. Industry 4.0 was, you know, came as a big thing and it was showing us possibilities. I think one of the things that a lot of people are still trying to answer is, you know, industry 4.0, okay, I understand that there's variance in production, but how do I make sure that I use that in the right way in the market? How do I make sure that we digitalize the company in the right way? And what does that even mean? I think there are some really good examples out there of customers that we've worked with that are doing this, that can be inspirational beacons of life. But at the same time, it's one of the great insights that we can bring as a, as a company as well, Tacton, working with many different organizations and taking the best pieces and best practices from them all. So I think that's a great challenge, but it's also a great possibility. And at the end of the day, I think it really boils down to that. We're not going to be able to compete on price. We need to compete on value. Rüdiger, your outlook. Yeah, my outlook, it's more about the sustainability of the product model. As we are talking today, it is very important that the integration, the full view about the configuration, product model and digital product model have to be changed. And therefore, it is inevitable that the C-level have to take the hand to these topics and that the existing responsibilities have to overcome so that in the end, one common approach for a digital product model in the overall enterprise organization take place. And I think this is the only point where this can be done is the C-level in every company. They have to take care about it because all the others have the view on data silo information, data silos, and so on. So break down the walls and come together and bring all these people together and go in, in the direction what is best for the company. Thank you very much. So we are open for questions from the audience here or also from the web community. I'd like to start here on site. Are there any questions? Hi. So my question would be, you mentioned there are some good examples and some maybe not so good examples in the space. So maybe you can tell a little bit about a good example and a very concrete or simple example maybe for people who are not so well versed in the manufacturing domain. 
So one company that, that Titan have been working with, and we actually have information about this on our website as well, I believe, is a, a Dutch manufacturer of agricultural equipment. It's kind of like the scoops and forks and stuff that you put on tractors. In the past, they were selling, of course, parts and things that you could order online through their e-commerce application. But as soon as you wanted to have something which was a little bit more requiring of, of um, design, let's say how you would you hook up a new scoop onto your tractor and what kind of hydraulic system would be necessary and that and so forth. That was put in as a specification that was sent into the company. It went down to sales who sent it on, engineering them, put it in their queue, and once they got to it, designed it, got the drawings out to production, they estimated the cost, and then it went back to sales who approached the customer again. That entire process took about two to three weeks on average. So from the time the customer asked until they just had an offering on the table, we're talking about weeks. And of course, that's really dangerous. It means that your customer could be talking to a lot of other companies as well about this. So the way we changed that, and I think it's just a, a really inspirational way of looking at the possibilities here is, they said, let's create that holistic product model. Let's connect the customer needs. So what the customer is actually going to use this for? What's the weight that you're going to carry with your scoop? And uh, how long should it be? So forth. All these different qualities that you needed from what you were looking for. What they then did was they connected to the Titan CPQ, which in turn was connected down the line CAD system. And as a result, with this holistic product model working in the company, they can now have customers go onto their website, put in the specifications of what they need, automatically generate the drawings, so the right drawings, no engineers involved. Then they had codified the way they priced these items based on the configuration structure of the product. So you would immediately, in the e-commerce application, you would immediately get the drawings and the offering for the product. They even got it down to the point where they were able to build. So if the customer now pressed, I want to buy, they even got it down to the point where they could process and build that equipment within the next 24 hours. And then it was another 24 hours if the customer chose express delivery. So they went from two, three weeks to answer to two days to deliver, where they, in essence, turned their customer into their engineer. And of course, as a result, removed 100% of the order errors because it wasn't their engineers answering the customer questions. So the customer was getting exactly what the customer was asking for. So if there is something as a quantum leap in terms of how you do business, I think that pretty much describes it. It's, of course, as you might imagine, that this company is absolutely killing competition right now. Why would you go and buy something from someone else when you can get exactly what you're looking for really quick and you know, you're completely in control of the process? So quite inspirational, if you ask me. I would like to add to the topic about what we also see quite often, the budget proposal. Nearly all companies at the same time as original proposals. This means that they are several engineers are coming in, calculating, uh, doing all the engineering work, and the customer just wants to know a price direction. They do not want to have a detailed proposal. And to reduce the time for budget proposals, even if it's a small equipment or a big machine, will help the companies uh, quite a lot to bring efficiency in their sales uh, processes. And this is also, I think, what we see quite often that the budget proposal are doing the same way as all the other proposals. And this have to be changed. And thank you for sharing your thoughts on the value on such an integrated model uh, in a production company. You were talking on time to market value. 
what surprised me, it was quite a traditional look on a, on a manufacturing company. You were talking about uh, downstream operations, supplier and so on. What surprised me actually is that you didn't mention anything that's on the customer side. I mean, we could use this model easily to gain some data about consumption, about the usage of the products, about operations, and feed all this information back into the production cycle, into engineering and so on. Absolutely. Do you have any insights on that, maybe? Yes. I mean, one of the great things in getting the connectivity with your products is the fact that if you have a, a holistic product representation, as we're talking digital representation of the product variants, you know exactly what is doing what. So what physical solution is actually providing what type of effect. What that means is now you're sitting with both products outside, giving you information back, how they're being used and so forth. Uh, just to give one example there, so we're working with several companies selling trucks. So when you're selling a truck, it's not always, you know, it's back to the servitization, you're quite often selling a truck which is being used as a service from distributor. Now, of course, what that means is the customer might have specified, well, I'm going to use the truck to hold this amount of load and going to drive these types of roads in these conditions. And then once you're getting the data back, you're clearly seeing that, well, actually that wasn't the case. It's bigger loads and it's heavier slopes and, and so forth. And of course, as, as a result, next time you have a service window, what you want to do is you want to update that truck to have the right gearbox, the right brakes for that condition. And I think you can use it both in an aftermarket perspective, but even equally much use it in a sales and marketing perspective. So understanding how your customers are using your products what type of gains they're getting from them. At the end of the day, I mean, the value that you're bringing. How many stops do your machines have? How many, you know, what's the actual output that you're able to generate? So bringing that back in upfront, steering yourselves in a better way. All the way down, I would say, to things like um, something we're looking a lot at right now is price optimization. When you're buying a flight ticket or you're booking a hotel, the price will fluctuate based on the availability. But the same thing goes for physical products, but not a lot of companies are, are doing that. So if you have a customer in a certain situation with a certain type of need, the same product might actually be worth a lot more to them than to someone else. So how do you understand that? How do you make sure that you can both, of course, offer the right product, but also benefit in the right way from what you're offering? Yeah, I agree. There's so much information to be used, but I think it all starts with that product model. Because unless you get that under control, unless you get the, your variants under control of your products from these different views, you're not going to be able to link the information. You're going to generate data everywhere, but you're going to have a hard time using it throughout the company. There's another question. Yes, please. Yeah, thanks so much for explaining how this digital product model as a single source of truth supports a lot of operational processes. I'd be interested in what is the potential for changing the way that managerial or technical decision-making is done since, you know, once you have all this data in one place. So I can start. So decision-making, just to, to give you one example here. So when you're looking at introducing new products, just, you know, what's needed for the next generation, we can go back to what we were just mentioning here. Uh, instead of having that based on what a lot of people are telling you, you're going to be able to do it based on the actual information of how your customers are using your products and to what benefit. But, you know, it goes down to even small things. You know, one thing that always struck me was this really funny difference that you typically have between sales forecasting and production forecasting. So you're looking at sales forecasting and all of a sudden you're getting sandbag numbers. People are taking down the expectations. Oh, no, we're not going to sell that much. And of course, everyone's then hoping to beat the expectation, right? 
What's really funny is if you look at production forecasting, it's the other way around. So everyone's kind of like saying, well, we're going to have tons of stuff that you need to deliver, right? Because they don't want to sit with an order from a customer and not being able to fill it. So it's a really weird thing. The same person is basically saying on one side, we're not going to sell anything. And on the other side, it's going to be like crazy. We're going to sell tons. So by taking the type of approach that we're doing here, so take tech on CPQ. You're putting this tool in place. You're configuring your products for your quads with sense with your customers through your partners. You're getting all that information. It's coming in, of course, when it's being specified. It's, it's customer needs driven. It's, okay, the customer needs this functionality, that outcome, so forth, this, these features. But what we do with Intact and CPQ, as I think you explained before, is we immediately, from the very start, break it down to the bill of material level. We know exactly what you're talking about. It's not on a high kind of rough estimate while we know kind of what machine it is. It's down on the, on the actual nuts and bolts. So with that information, all of a sudden, what we can do is we can drive both sales forecasting and production forecasting at the same time. Now, what that means, of course, from a decision point of view as well, so it's not just the big, big, you know, big decisions, what products in the future have, what markets deserve, but it's down to everyday decisions. Do we need to order another one of these parts today or can we wait until next week? It's really down to just getting better information to work your company in the right way. Uh, maybe coming from a different view of that is uh, thinking about predictive maintenance information we're collecting for predictive maintenance, using this information later on for the next proposal, for the next quote for the customer and telling the customer what your product is really doing in, in reality and supporting them to bring a better product to the customer which support them more than the first one because you have a better knowledge, the customer has better knowledge or even to integrate the service to that, uh, have a proposal for service because you already know what is going on with the product and you need additional things. So this information, integration of information is a very, very big value for all of the customers. And, and just to add, so, and it all, it's kind of like, we're, you know, we're getting back to the same point. If you're connecting the different views of your product, that's how you can trace it through. So you can start from one angle and see what's on the other side. Um, which is kind of what binds it all together. Yeah. I have one question uh, from the web community. Uh, this might be a good question to finish this off and, and, and close. At the beginning said, digital product models at the core of future value chains. So a very fundamental aspect of uh, future value chains is the topic uh, today where it should be on the agenda of, of companies and do C-levels really care? Are they aware of this? If no, what are you guys doing about it? I meet C-level staff on a fairly regular basis. This digitization of product information, I think it's on everyone's agenda. Everyone realizes that there is stuff that can be done. What strikes me is very few know exactly what's needed to do it and what possibilities we have out there. It's a new thing. I mean, this is not something you know, that has been around for ages. And I think the maturity of the understanding as well is coming right now. But I would put it this way. I believe any future-oriented, successful leader of an organization today, if this is not you know, among their top three bullets on the agenda, I would actually question it. I think this is super important for companies to focus on. And as a result, I think these type of talks, making sure that we get this out into the open and the awareness around what can be done is critical. And I'm really happy, you know, very strong supporter of this. We have the tools to make it happen. You know, we are as well trying to make sure that it just spread the word and make sure that the awareness is there. 
Okay, thank you very much. Looking at a time, I think, Rüdiger, you agree with me? That was a good closing word from Niels to both of you. Thanks a lot for coming to Zurich and being with us this morning. Thanks everyone here and online to have joined. I'd like to close this with a note about the next two events, so bearing point talks. The next one will be about virtual reality and banking. Where is the value? That's probably what we would question ourselves, yes, from gut feeling. Our guests will be Thomas Benuna, Head of Internal Channels Credit Suisse, and Fred Schuster, Head of Digital Branch and Workplace Deutsche Bank. Also, I think the mix of people it guarantees for an interesting talk. Then the next talk after that will be about Agile Organisation, Fluch oder Segen, mit Stefan Briner, Leiter Personalinformatik Stadt Zürich, und Misha Ramseyer, Agile Executive Coach. With these announcements, I'd like to close today's talks. Thank you very much. Have a great and successful day. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.